Hi, everybody, and welcome back for another episode of the Divorce Detox Podcast. And I am super excited to have a very special guest today, Ms. Donna Cates. And I want to tell you a little bit about Donna before uh, she comes on and says anything, because she doesn't like to talk about herself. So I'm going to talk about her. Is that all right with you, Donna, if I talk about you for a few minutes? That would be delightful. Thank you. (laughs) So Donna is not only a financial advisor, a wealth builder, a speaker, she is also a certified divorce financial analyst, a CDFA. And since 2000, she has been empowering women to take charge of all aspects of their financial well-being, regardless of what their current station is in life. And a lot of women, especially ones that are coming out of divorce, have complex goals, and they also wear many hats with unique challenges. And I wanted to have her come on today to really talk about some of the things and challenges that she sees going on navigating the divorce process, but to also make you aware of who Donna is, uh, what she does, because she doesn't just focus on divorce, but um, I wanted her to come in to also be able to educate you about what a CDFA is. I have a lot of clients that come to me and they'll say, do you know what a CDFA is? I was told to reach out to them, but I'd never heard of it. And it's a relatively new designation, I believe only maybe in the past five years or six years, Donna, maybe we can, we can get that corrected too. Um, But it's a relatively new designation. And for a lot of people, they don't know what it is, but let me just tell you, you're going to find out in a very short period of time, how powerful having a certified divorce financial analyst on your side is. So welcome to my very special guest, Donna. How are you today, Donna? I am doing fabulous and I'm so appreciative to be here with you. We are so excited to have you. Now, if you can kick us off um, and tell everybody where you're based and, um, you know, where a little bit about yourself, uh, that would be great. Awesome. Um, So I actually live in Birmingham, Alabama. My business is open throughout the U.S., though, so I can work with anybody uh, virtually. But I've been in Alabama for over 24 four years, no, 29 years, my goodness, um, 29 years. I grew up in Atlanta um, and, and happy to be doing what I do and excited to talk to you about the CDFA and what we do. Awesome. Well, that's the first thing I want to ask you, because I do think people at least need to have an understanding about what a CDFA is. So can you briefly explain what it is, what you do, and how you assist individuals going through a divorce? Absolutely. So a certified divorce financial analyst, CDFA, literally is a financial professional who is specially trained to evaluate the entire divorce financial process. And and again, here financial, because we're not divorce um, attorneys, we literally focus on all of the money related aspects of divorce. So when you hire a CDFA, you're actually hiring a specialist who can help you evaluate all the different various settlements that you might be offered and what the true financial impact would be for you, not just the day of the divorce, but over the next five years, 10 years, or 20 years. So it's literally enabling you to understand if you make a choice, if you decide on on accepting an agreement, 
what that immediate and long-term financial impact will be for you. So what that does is it just makes you, it empowers you to make more informed decisions versus just going with what your heart or your emotions want you to do that day. That's huge. How many people I'm sure that you've seen, and I can tell you that I've seen who just don't know really I mean, I think one of the most powerful things you said was it's not just about knowing right now. It's about knowing what does this mean five or 10 years down the road for me, for my situations, maybe in some cases, my children. That is a powerful, powerful thing to do. And, and I forgot to mention too, when I introduced you that you're also a mediator and that's something that we can touch on too, as we go along, but what kind of drew you into becoming a CDFA? Well, as a financial advisor early in my career, you know, I've, I've always um, preferred working with women, just helping smart, you know, women make smart decisions about their money, just have a passion about that. But um, I found that a lot of divorce attorneys in my local area were referring women to me post-divorce because these women were coming into assets that they may not have managed before um, and they needed help figuring out what to do with those new assets. But in, um, in realizing this, I was finding that a lot of times women really were getting the short end of the stick in their divorce settlements and not necessarily that it wasn't a fair you know, outcome, but that some better decisions or, or uh, choices could have been made in the divorce resolution. So it was, um, that's when I looked for resources that would help me educate attorneys so that they could help their clients make better decisions. That's when I discovered the CDFA designation. And one thing I was going to share with you, I've actually been a CDFA since 2002, so it has been around a little bit longer oh, than wow. we okay. thought. However, it's been very slow to be embraced um, by attorneys, but they're coming around. Well, and that, thank you for, for um, clarifying that. That's, you're right. That's a long time. And I bet you it's only been because it's probably been less than the past, I don't know, five or six years where I had heard about the designation myself. And I actually had an attorney say to me, well, are you a CDFA? And I'm like, mm, no. And that's how I found out what it was because there were attorneys that were looking to partner with CDFAs. But to your point, getting in at the end game when decisions have already been made, you know, you have a much more powerful position to help your clients and to put them in a better um, outcome for themselves if you kind of come alongside during the process. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, absolutely. And that's always been, you know, my, my position is that, you know, I'm not advocating divorce for you or anybody. If that's the, the right choice for you, I'm here to support. But it's like, you know, we don't know as women, especially if we're not the, the uh, primary CFOs of our household, you know, we don't even know what to ask. Um, so that's my, my passion is helping educate women on the questions that they need to be asking of their attorneys and their spouses as they're going through this um, negotiation process. Well, that and that is a powerful thing to have in place because going through that, navigating the process, of course, obviously is a very, it's probably one of the most challenging things that you'll ever go through your life is going through a divorce. I know personally, you know, personally, we've 
share that experience and know how detrimental it can be, not only really to your emotion, your emotional life, but really to your financial life and not knowing. Um, I mean, I love when you say women becoming the primary CF, CFOs of their house or their lives, how many of them have just kind of stepped out of that role because they had a husband that was really trying to do right by them by taking care of them and making sure that, you know, all their needs were met and they didn't have to have any concerns financially. But then something like this happens, like divorce or loss. And now here they are trying to pull together the pieces and become a captain of a ship that they didn't even know they were on, you know? So I think that what you're doing is just an incredibly powerful thing. And, and I also want to let people know too, that uh, Donna um, is a firm believer of the fact that a man is not a financial plan. And I love it when she says that she, she actually just taught on that, that, that long ago. And um, so what does that mean to you? What is it that you are trying to articulate to, to women when you say a man is not a financial plan? I will tell you that what I find with the women that approach me for support through the divorce process is most of them are very mad at themselves they're embarrassed because they never played an active role or they chose not to play an active role in the financial well-being of their family but the reality is is that we know as women mothers business owners you know workers all the things that we do you know sometimes we have to give up some responsibilities and it's just shared labor in a household so it's not it's not necessarily a negative or anything that you did wrong by choosing not to be, you know, the leader of the financial aspects of your marriage, but it can be detrimental. So my, my position is that regardless of whether you enjoy working with money, working with math, understanding investments, understanding the insurance, whether there's interest in that or not, it is essential that every woman single, married, widowed, doesn't matter. The reality is, is we have to understand enough so that when life does happen, we can pick up the reins and carry on. Because the reality is, is as women, you know, we outlive men, half of marriages end in divorce. And we, um, we're going to be on our own at some point. It's not an if, it's a when. So yeah. that's that's why I'll get on my soapbox about it sometimes. <laughs> but that's, we literally, I want to empower women to be financially responsible so that it doesn't matter, you know, who's in charge of the money, but you at least understand what's going on. Exactly. And for those of you who are listening, you can honestly see why Donna is part of our, our tribe at Divorce Divas because- she is as empowered about women being the CFOs of their financial life and not depending on anyone but themselves. And, you know, so she is a huge advocate for women to stand in their power and, and know their stuff. And, and I think that's, that's so important. Now, switching back over to when you're working with clients in the divorce uh, process, what are some of the primary financial challenges that you see a woman facing as she goes through the divorce? There are so many financial challenges. Uh, we could probably do an entire podcast on just <laughs> that subject. But I will tell you the um, the first thing is is you're having to split shared property and assets. 
everybody wants to keep everything and, and you can't. So we have to figure out, you know, how are we going to let go of stuff? What do we let go of? You know, what do you need to hang on to? And it gets even more complex, the more affluent a party is, um, especially if there's a business or multiple, you know, real estate um, properties uh, that they have. So it, it just gets more complicated and dividing. But the other thing that I find um, that can be emotionally challenged when it comes to financial situations is determining the need for spousal support. Nobody wants to pay spousal support, also known as alimony. Um, but the reality is, is if there was disparity in the incomes of the family, the two, two earners, somebody's going to be receiving alimony. And we have to figure out how much, for how long, and that can be emotionally charged and difficult to decide on. But, we, but I do help people work through those numbers and determine what's appropriate. I think one of the most challenging things for everybody in divorce is understanding that your standard of living, regardless male, female, your standard of living is going to have a negative impact, at least initially, because you have to remember when you're married, you have one household and possibly two incomes. But even with income, you still, I mean, one income, you still only have one household. Now you're dividing everything and you now have two households. So it's, it's that coming to terms with the, with the fact that you will have probably a less of a positive cash flow post-divorce and accepting that and being willing to make adjustments in your spending and evaluating the need for creating um, potential for additional income over time. Those are typically the biggest. And then, of course, the, when there's children involved, that's a whole nother layer because we have to it, we want to ensure that we continue to do all the things for our children that we've always done. But again, child support isn't necessarily designed to pay for all the extracurricular activities that most of our kids are involved in. It's typically, you know, the purpose of the child supports to care for the, the well-being, putting a roof over their head and feeding them and clothing them. So that can be um, a very difficult thing as well. But that's just a handful. There are many more. And, and I, one of the things you brought up too was asset division, and that can always be really, really complex. Um, now there are some, and you've shared some common mistakes that people make. And I honestly think we need to come back and do another podcast about the financial challenges of a divorce. I think that would be a great topic that a lot of people would be interested in. But as far as like property division, do, do you have anything, just like one or two tips that you can share for how people can avoid making some of those um, decisions when it comes to asset division? I certainly can. I'm going to tell you the most common issue that I have encountered with most all of my um, clients who own a marital property. It seems that for whatever reason, many women feel compelled to keep their home. 
Now, the exception is when they've been in a really bad relationship that might have been emotionally or physically abusive, then they want to get as far from that marital home as they can, just because of the memories associated with it. But most of the time, women, and especially women with children that are still in school, they definitely think that they must keep the house for the benefit and stability of their children. But they're making this decision from an emotional point and not taking into consideration all of the financial implications associated with it. So, for example, um, do you know if you can even afford to maintain the home? Forget paying the mortgage. Can you afford the keep up of the home? And then on the mortgage, it might be is the mortgage currently in joint name and it's going to have to be refinanced into your name. And now you're looking at whether or not you can be approved to have that mortgage established in your name. There's there many things that, that go along with the, the house. As a matter of fact, I've created a second workshop. It'll be on demand soon um, where we, we address specific issues around mortgages and, and real estate in, the, in, um, in divorce. So one of the things you just shared, Donna, too, was about how asset division can get complex throughout a divorce. And what are some of the common financial mistakes that you see people making when it comes to property division? And is there anything that you can recommend that, you know, helps them avoid them? Absolutely. One of the biggest and most common financial mistakes I see women making when they're divorcing is wanting emotionally to keep their home. So it, they, it could be because they have young children still in school. Uh, they just don't want to have to deal with moving or they you know, are attached to the marital home. But the reality is, is they're making this decision from an emotional perspective versus understanding the financial implications of all of, of, of keeping the home. So here's just a couple of examples. If you are um, deciding to keep the home, there's one thing that has to be done. There is equity in the home and you got to share in that equity. So you may have to write a check to your ex-spouse to buy him out his share of the home. Most of us don't have that much cash sitting aside to buy somebody else out. Um, but the big, the other thing is, is that if the mortgage is in joint name right now, it's not in your name, you're going to have to get that mortgage refinanced into your name on only. And I find that a lot of women have no idea on whether or not they might be um, even qualified to get that mortgage written into their name. And then the third thing with just the house is understanding what the expenses are of maintaining the home. So the reality is, is that we, we have to kind of honor the fact that you may want to keep the home, but let's take a step back and look at that, at what that actually means to you from a financial perspective and make sure that that's a smart choice. So again, that's just one of many, you know, complications that can arise in um, dividing assets. A second one is regarding retirement assets. Um, most men, for some reason, not stereotyping, but my experience, um, if they have a pension, they want to hang on to their pension. The reality is that it's a marital asset if it was um, grown during the marriage. Um, but then, too, 
with the, with the uh, retirement accounts that come into play. It's not just pension. It's going to be your 401ks, your IRA accounts, all of that. But we actually end up sharing most of that. But there is an extra um, legal document that is required to help you divide those assets. A lot of women don't understand that they may be receiving money from a retirement account you know, at, the, at their divorce, but it may not be in the next month or two. It may be six months to a year before they even get access to that. So th I found that to be a um, very um, emotional challenge for, for women. Well, and you're right. The house is always a big, that's a big topic. It's almost probably the first thing outside of children that I seem to talk about when it comes to my coaching clients is, well, I just want to stay in the house. Well, let's explore that. You know, just saying you want to stay in the house. You're right. Understanding the upkeep, understanding the cost, not just now, but in the future. And then even understanding Hey, if, if it's, if it's a woman who hasn't you know, been in the workforce and now she's going to have to get a mortgage in her name. And now with interest rates the way they are and her not having a level of income, it, it, be, it can become very complex. But one of the things I think that is, is so great about what you do is you are giving your clients options. You're talking to them about, I understand this is kind of your wish list, but let's now look at factually, you know, what can you provide? What can you, what can you afford? What is it going to look like for you? And that is a perspective that, I think a lot of attorneys kind of overlook, right? Because an attorney's job is essentially to get the person through the process and divorce where people like what you do is really helping them have a become level-headed and really going in there armed with information that they by themselves would not be able to find. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. And that's, that's one thing. And I've talked with all of my uh, divorce attorney friends about this. You know, the attorney is literally, you know, they're going to draw a T chart and they're going to say, here are all the assets. Let's put one on your side and another on your side. And if that comes up to about a 50-50 split, they're looking at that as a win. But that may not be a win when it comes to long-term financial well-being. So that's that's what adding the CDFA to your divorce team can help you with is understanding all of the, you know, the impacts of those decisions, not just saying I'm going to keep this and he's going to get that. Oh, absolutely. I, I agree with, I would completely agree with you on that. Now, not only can divorce be financially challenging, it can also be emotionally challenging. And I know you're working with clients on the financial aspects of things, but when they come to you and they're just, you know, they're just a wreck, like they don't really know the process itself, whether or not they even knew that it was coming down the pike, just the finality of knowing now I'm in this process. How do you help your clients kind of stay, you know, emotionally um, in place and, and kind of in a, in a way that they're not bringing that to the table when they're trying to talk to you about their finances. That, and that is always a big challenge because the reality is, is we're all emotional beings. And if I encounter somebody who is literally not expressing any emotion at all, the first thing I'm going to say is, 
honey, you got to feel your emotions because if you don't deal with your emotions, they're always going to be there and they're going to bite you in the honey at some point. So it's, we're going to address the emotions, but that's not my area of expertise. So what I do with my clients is, is kind of coach on how to compartmentalize dealing with the divorce process. So acknowledging the emotions that you have, understanding that it is a tough thing. So having the support that's appropriate, whether that's a mental health professional, um, that could be a divorce coach like yourself, uh, Jennifer, you need somebody, divorce support groups, you know, a, a place where you can process your emotions in a healthy way and get the support that you need. If you have that or when you have that, that allows you to say, okay, now I'm talking money stuff. Now I'm talking divorce process stuff. Let's let's shut off the emotions for this short period of time so we can use our logical brains to make some smart choices. Um, and that's it's hard because we are emotionally you know, driven human beings. But I think it's, it's really important to kind of separate out as much as you can. And one of the things that I have found very helpful with the work that I do is to have women keep a notebook where they literally record, you know, there might be a section for emotional issues and concerns. There's a section for money issues and concerns, and then another bucket for, you know, children, you know, in issues and concerns. But if they can kind of compartmentalize like that, it starts to help break down that barrier. So we're able to kind of pull back from the emotional aspect while we're using our logical brain to make smart decisions. Well, and I, you know, I appreciate the fact that you even validate that part of it. You know, there, I've worked with a lot of experts, you know, and in, in the course of my career who even though they understand that there is an emotional aspect of it, they're just going to focus completely on what theirs is, whether it's the tax part of it or the financial part of it, or, you know, the, the attorney that they're not really going to give uh, a client kind of tools like you are encouraging them to write down their emotions, even validating the fact that they're having struggles and that they need to talk some, to somebody like a counselor or a coach, or, I mean, I appreciate that, that you're doing that because it, it shows that you're you're not just there. It's not just a transaction that you're having with them. You are really vested in their success, you know, financially, but also emotionally. So I appreciate that about you. Um, what advice do you have for individuals who might be considering either mediation or kind of a collaborative divorce process to address their financial matters? Is that still an area that, you know, I know in the mediation space, you probably can assist and all, but if they're going down the amicable uh, process or collaborative process, you know, how would they be able to navigate that financially? Very great question. So the, the thing that I would say you have to first assess when you're considering either mediation or collaborative divorce process is do you trust your partner well enough to know that he's going to show up and be 100% transparent with all of the money issues um, or concerns, I should say, because in either of those circumstances, mediation or collaboration, we literally have to have full disclosure. And if you are not in a trusting relationship, 
You may not you want to be married to your spouse anymore, but that doesn't mean that he's not a trustworthy human being. So you really have to discern, are we viable candidates for either mediation or collaboration? Because if either party is not providing full disclosure, neither one of those processes can work. Or at best, they work but everything's not disclosed and you end up missing out on you know, significant assets potentially. So that determining whether or not you and your spouse are appropriate for those processes, I think that's key. And any professional will, will give you feedback on whether or not they think your case is appropriate for that. So if someone says to you, I really don't think this is an appropriate case for collaboration, you know, ask them why so they can elaborate on that. It's not just because they want to litigate your case. Um, it could truly be that they know that, you know, with your situation, that it's just not going to be an effective process. Right. And I've seen some clients come to me and at the, at the beginning, they're saying, nope, you know, we're going to, we're going to work this out. We only have a couple of hangups and usually it's the house or what's going to happen with the kids or spousal support. And, and I just always caution them, say, you know, you, you may be in a very good starting point, but if you start negotiating and putting wish lists together and looking and seeing where you're going to be kind of at odds with each other, it could flip <laughs> pretty quickly into a situation where now you both need your own attorneys and this is not going to be as easy as, as, you, as you think. So getting that feedback from somebody that says, you know, this may not be a good collaborative approach. I would just, you know, caution clients to listen to that. <laughs> if somebody says this is probably not going to be in your best interest, they're saying that for a reason. And, and getting that explained to them is, uh, is very important too, so that they have a better understanding. But, you know, I always hope that people can work things out. But, you know, I mean, it, it, it doesn't always work out that way. Um, so now let me make a shift away from divorce. So let's just say, well, not really away from divorce, but the, the actual process itself. So let's say somebody comes to you and you have a client and maybe they're two, three years post-divorce. Um, can you still help them with their finances or do you strictly just work in the divorce space? Uh, that's a wonderful question. And I will tell you, it's where my passion lies. So I think post-divorce you know, there are so many things that we can do differently if we choose to. And I view this as an opportunity for any woman to literally begin establishing financial independence if they didn't have it before, especially. And it's so rewarding to work with women who are now on the other side of divorce. They have what they have. You know, they got what they got from the divorce. Now they know their, their current financial reality, and now they're in the driver's seat. They get to make the decisions. They get to decide what's most important to them. What's their priority for today? What's their priority for five years from now? And with that, we're able to actually develop a post-divorce financial plan and have a roadmap with action steps for, for these women to take in order to make sure that they're making progress towards achieving their long-term goals. We don't want to just say, hey, this is what I dream about. This is what I want. We literally want to put um, steps in place so that we can make sure that we're achieving it, not just dreaming it. 
Uh, I, I love everything that you said about all that, because I think that that is so incredibly important, you know, especially if somebody has come out of a situation where they weren't heavily involved in their finances. And to your point back to, you know, a man is not a financial plan, regardless of if you're married or divorced or widowed, you know, having a level of independence and knowing what you have, um, it, you need to have that. You know, even, even if you're married, even if you enter another relationship and you're married, not saying you have to keep everything separate from, you know, your new spouse or partner, but you just need to know where, where you are, what you have and, you know, feel empowered about those decisions. And it's, it's awesome that you're able to help people not just navigate the whole divorce process itself, but to literally prepare for the next best chapter of their life. Um, and I mentioned at the very beginning that you are a part of our Divorce Divas community, and we're so happy that you are. Um, can you just share with everybody why you chose to, to join the Divorce Divas and, and how you really think community plays in to um, help women that are divorcing? Oh, it's my honor. I'm excited to be part of Divorce Divas. And for me, it wasn't an if, but oh, let's, let's do it right this minute, because from the time I started working in this market, I realized it definitely takes a village. Um, it takes a village of different financial professionals, um, not just financial professionals, my bad. It literally takes a village of all different types of professionals to navigate divorce. And, and just when the divorce is over, everything's not you know resolved. We still need professional help. So to me, Divorce Divas literally is um, a like-minded community of professionals who are coming together, sharing knowledge, working together, supporting one another, all for the benefit of the women out there who are going through divorce or post-divorce. That community is so important um, because it's going to carry it, carry us when we're weak and, you know, and they'll be there to sing with us when we're strong. But, you know, it's the, we got to have the community in order to, you know, take care of all of the, the, um, the things that we need when we're in this process. Well, and, and again, I'm so happy that you're part of the Divorce Divas community. You were one of the first divas that, that came aboard with us and are part of our leadership here, uh, here in Atlanta or in Georgia. And you are um, kind of our, our wealth manager, uh, kind of seat chair leader. And uh, we're just so excited that you're here. And for those of you who are tuning in, maybe hearing about the Divorce Divas community for the the first time. There are about 13 uh, categories, services, service providers that we have kind of isolated that each one of our clients that are going through divorce need. They need to have somebody who is there for them to help them, whether it's professionals like Donna who are CDFAs or divorce coaches like myself, or if you need somebody to help you with your taxes, if you need um, a career coach because you're re-entering the, the workforce, again, maybe you need some recommendations for movers or counselors or image consultants, whatever it is that you need, know that there is a community of vetted professionals who are very heart-centered leaders uh, that want to step forward and they want to help women that are navigating the divorce process. So Donna, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for coming on and sharing a little bit about yourself today and sharing your expertise. And for those of you who want to reach out with, to Donna, I am going to actually share her information with this podcast so that you have it 
Um, in the meantime, if you want to learn more about the Divorce Divas, you can go out to www.divorce-divas.com and you can find Donna on there. You can also find myself and other people in the area that you need. And um, thank you again, Donna. And I think you do need to come back and do a podcast just surrounding the financial challenges in divorce. Uh, do you agree to come back and do that for us? I would be honored to do that. Thank you, Jennifer. Perfect. Well, uh, join us for the next Divorce Detox podcast. We will be back again soon. Thank you.